Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I have Raja Rajabhanar with me, who is the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer for for MasterCard. Raja, hello and welcome. Thank you, Nadine. How are you? I am well, thanks. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Much appreciated. Absolutely. You know, Raja, you and I have done quite a bit of work together uh, in the last year trying to put together some great concepts for CMOs and aspiring CMOs as we thought about the playbook, if you will. And we covered a lot of ground and I, I'm just so excited to have you with me today because you shared so many excellent points and I can't wait to revisit them here and then also talk about some new things. Looking forward to our conversation, Nadine. Excellent. Well, you know what? I have to admit, you have been a pretty popular guy so far of all the podcasts that we've released. I think you've been mentioned in almost every one of them. And so I thought we'd start with the hot topic, which is really around your perspective of how a CMO can really evolve in their careers by growing their financial acumen. Can you describe to me where that point of view came from and how you've been able to achieve that at MasterCard? Yeah. See, if you look at the role of a CMO today, it comes with a substantial accountability as to how the money that the CMO controls is being spent and what the company is getting in return. The accountability on the results on a quarterly basis on the CEO and CFO of a company is so high, and they have to get their EPS, earnings per share, hit the targets every single quarter, that they're constantly looking and monitoring as to what kind of results the marketing investments are generating. So what happens is, if there is any shortfall, the first question is shortfall in results uh, or in the EPS or the revenues of the company. The first place to look at is saying that, hey, I don't want to go to the market with a shortfall in EPS and where can I cut my costs? There are only three big lines typically a CEO has got. 
expense lines. Expense line number one, technology. Number two, people. Number three, marketing. Not in that order. It depends on the company, but it is typically one of these three. Not easy to cut money from technology at a short term, in a short term, nor is it about people. So therefore, marketing seems to be the most fungible asset that they have. Now, as a CMO, you have to evangelize for your function and you have to defend the budgets that you have. And to justify the budgets that you have and not be taken away in any given quarter or in any given year, you need to show the results and what you are actually getting for the investment that you have made. Typically, most of the CMOs are focused on the marketing metrics, like what's awareness, the predisposition, the net promoter scores, and so on. But in the face of analysts on the street, the CEO is not going to defend uh, based on these marketing metrics. They want to see the business bottom line. So as a CMO, you have to be first and foremost a business person. Understand how your company makes money. What are the drivers of revenue? What are the levers that you have got? How does marketing fit in and enable the performance of the company in total? So they need to connect the dots between marketing KPIs and financial results of the company, either top line or bottom line. And that is a very key role that the CMO has to perform, which means they need to understand finances, they need to understand the business, and they need to have that credibility to carry it off with the senior executive team or the management committee of the company. And that, I think, is an extremely important development that's happening uh, in the world of a CMO. Yeah, absolutely. And that is not an easy muscle to build uh, if you haven't been exposed to those ideas before haven't been practicing or beefing up your financial muscles, if you will. And you actually made a dedicated effort at MasterCard to not only grow your own skills, but grow the skills of your entire team by collaborating with your finance team. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So one of the key things I had to do when I came to MasterCard was to build that financial gravitas for the, amongst the entire team members. And we, first and foremost, went through a little bit of a discussion with the CFO, and I had to uh, be a very good partner to my CFO. So I said, look, we, we are exactly having the same objectives, right? We collectively want the company to succeed. And you, as a CFO, want to believe that the investments you are making in marketing are actually paying off by way of returns. And I want to educate my entire team. So now I have my own CFO. And this CFO reports into the CFO as well as into me. So with the result of which, the CFO of the company is very comfortable that there is a finance person in the marketing organization to make sure that everything is very uh, appropriately measured and tracked and uh, they have complete transparency. That's number one. And on the other hand, uh, the entire organization that I have got, starting with my leadership team, we are trying to see how we can enable them to learn if they have not been exposed to before about how we make business. So we got, for example, Finance 101 as a program. We have got Payments 101, which is all about our business. And these are the programs we are exposing our uh, senior leadership and down from there across the organization. And it's almost like a certification. Have you done this program? If you have not done this program, you better go and get it done and go through it and pass. So this is one level. Second, we are also trying to now embed marketing people 
within the business. So if you look at, for example, the product organization or you have got the sales organization or the regional organizations, I have got marketing folks sitting on the management committees or the uh, leadership groups of those various functions and departments. So marketing is now, it's not a standalone department which sits in its own ivory tower, but marketing is completely spread out throughout the organization. And they sit on the leadership teams of these various functions or various uh, areas. And therefore, they understand, they live the reality, and they are representing marketing in those areas. And at the same time, they're educating those areas as to the power of marketing, what can be done, what can be brought to the table, and how marketing can help drive the business. And that is really paying us off in oodles. And this is another way that we are trying to have a cross-integration between the business and uh, marketing. And so when I have a marketing person who is sitting in, for example, uh, on the sales team of North America, as an example, they need to understand the business. Otherwise, they will be, you know, like uh, deer caught in headlights. And we don't want that situation. So they are preparing, they are understanding, and they are bringing a ton of what they observe in those various areas back into marketing. So we are collectively trying to make marketing into an even more robust function that can effectively support and drive business across the company. Oh, that's great. And I remember you mentioning that you had a favorite saying, uh, and, and I still to this day laugh when I think about it. It's just such a great saying. And it's, you know, when the CFO comes to you and asks you for a million dollars, you better be able to be brief, be bright, and be gone, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. You see, one of the key things, I think marketers are great communicators. They like to listen to their own voice. And if you are talking to a CFO or a CEO in your long explanations or you are getting into the jargon, which nobody other than marketing people understand or care about, uh, the communication is ineffective. And we actually practice. We say, yes, you have to be brief. You have to be bright and you be gone. And it works. You have to talk the language of the business, talk the numbers and be crisp, brief and move. Yeah, I'm so glad you, you mentioned the jargon because that was another thing that we talked about. I almost forgot about that, but it's such a such a cool idea that maybe we should actually one day do this. But what is that translator, that dictionary that goes between marketing and finance and, and the way we use certain terms? And sometimes everyone says they're speaking the same language, but they don't actually have the, the same comprehension of what the terms mean. Exactly. So one of the things that I urge my team is not to use abbreviations. Like when you talk of BPS, it's a brand positioning statement within marketing, but BPS is basis points in finance. So the, part, the problem is when you're talking in BPS, both of you are operating as marketing and finance guys on different wavelengths and the same abbreviation means different things. So I say desist and resist using abbreviations, number one. Number two, don't talk as a marketer to a marketer. Talk like a common person to a common person, which means do not use your marketing jargon. And if you cannot articulate it in simple, plain English, that means there is something wrong. You're trying to hide behind jargon. Don't. And actually, finance folks really appreciate and, uh, uh, you know, and they get it immediately. And I keep saying, you know, if your 10-year-old can understand, that's what you have to strive for. And, uh, you know, uh, don't get caught up in all this jargon and the methodologies and the black boxes. Nobody cares about it. What they are caring about is what is the impact on the business top line, bottom line, 
share those very clearly and have a good logic as to how you're getting from point A to point B with your programs and convince them and then move on. And that, that, that's very important, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Raja, you actually didn't even start your career in marketing, right? You started, uh, was it sales? You were in sales? Yes, I actually started my career for the first few months I was in sales. And then I moved to marketing. Then again, I moved to sales. Then from there, I moved into P&L management. Roughly half of my career, I was in managing businesses in P&L and the other half in marketing and in sales. And being on the both sides of the aisle, particularly on the P&L management side, uh, I used to give hell to the marketing guys saying that, look, you justify to me why I should invest. Now, of course, the karma comes to bite me back. And now <laughs> I have to justify why I have to spend money. So, but it really helps to get that perspective. Plus also when I'm talking to the finance folks, they know that I have business management background and I have managed large P&Ls. Like for example, before I joined MasterCard, I was handling a $11 billion uh, P&L uh, in the health industry or I was managing one of the largest SBUs at Citigroup for a number of years. Uh, and so that helps. Uh, but translating those learnings into current environment is very critical. And likewise, having managed sales, I understand the anxiety of salespeople and what they are looking for and uh, you know how marketing can actually help and aid them. Uh, and another interesting thing I also found is, you know, I'm basically very curious on technology and data too. So I actually started the first data analytics unit for Citigroup uh, in Dubai way, way back. This was in 1994. And so I, I'm a data geek and I'm a techno geek, if you were. And I find that marketing is increasingly dependent on both technology and as well as data. So that's another area where I constantly keep educating myself and stay current. And I insist that my team actually learn both data-driven marketing, the data analytics, as well as the technology aspects. And it's true that many of the CMOs actually have a larger technology budget than many of their CTO counterparts have. So that's another huge responsibility. And uh, how you are spending your technology funds, and unless you understand what technology is and how it works and what it can do, you're not able to spend that money wisely. And again, you need justifications that you have, you're accountable for that spend as well. And uh, so I think, so today, if you look at the CMO's role or a marketing person's role, you have to learn digital, you have to learn technology, you have to learn data, you have to learn finance, you have to learn business, you have to learn PR or communications as some companies call it. So you're truly a general manager as opposed to just being a marketing specialist. Yeah, amen. Uh, it's it's so interesting because we just released Greg Walsh's podcast, and that's exactly what he was talking about, and the expectations of the CEO that the the CMO become more and more of a general manager. Absolutely. Yeah, and and let me let me ask you this because um, you know it's interesting. You you went from sales uh, into managing different businesses, but then into marketing, back out of marketing. What prompted you to make those shifts? Yeah. See, for example, uh, when I was in Unilever, uh, and so, so way back, uh, I used to be managing P&Ls for a series of personal care products. And then came an opportunity for me to join Citibank, but that was a marketing and sales job. 
but it was a great entry point into a different country, which was United Arab Emirates at the time. And it was a great opportunity to launch their credit cards business. Uh, and it was probably one of the last banks to be entering into credit cards in that market. So I had to sort of weigh my uh, pros and cons. And I said, yeah, I'll no problem. I'll go back to marketing and sales uh, and then I'll launch the cards and do it. So once I did it, then I started uh, moving uh, quickly back into P&L. And I was managing P&Ls uh, for a variety of consumer products and, uh, uh, you know, and for the consumer bank. Uh, and uh, when I moved to head office uh, and uh, to New York with Citibank, I was managing one of the largest SBUs. Uh, in fact, the largest SBU for Citibank in those days, which was all the core credit cards for North America. All those were P&Ls. Then at that point in time, there was a unique opportunity that I had to go into healthcare. But that healthcare opportunity, I was convinced of the big opportunity that was there in the healthcare space, but it was not a P&L job, but it was a marketing and innovation job. So I was handling at Humana was the, the company in Louisville, Kentucky. So I was called the chief innovation and marketing officer, but I was also handling communications. I was handling government relations. I was handling business development. And, it, and I was also handling their international operations. So it was a very a broad role than just what the title suggested, but it did not have any significant P&L, but the opportunity was so good uh, and I felt that I could really do something transformative in that industry, I took the jump. Now, from there, I started again after a few, uh, in a couple of years, I started handling P&L again and I was handling large businesses. And when I got a call from uh, uh, City Empire MasterCard to come and join them and it was a chief marketing officer, I weighed in and I said, look, this is a, again, I'll be going uh, back to a global kind of a role. Uh, and uh, MasterCard is extensively present around the world, 110 countries, and a great brand, one of the top 20 in the world. And the company uh, was actually in a, on a transformational trajectory, which excited me. So I said, okay, I'll come back and join uh, uh, MasterCard. So in that, I moved purely into a marketing role. But now, again, I have expanded back into P&L as well. I am the president of the healthcare division at MasterCard. Uh, which is relatively new, but it's a, a very exciting uh, function for MasterCard uh, that I am leading. And I'm also the chief marketing and communications officer. Yeah. And, and you've been doing a lot, uh, especially recently. I've been catching so much news about all the cool things that you're doing at MasterCard. Can you share a couple of your favorite projects with us? Yeah. So one of the most exciting uh, things that we are doing right now and which we launched yesterday uh, is called Start Something Priceless. So as you know, MasterCard has got this iconic priceless uh, platform, which started as an advertising platform 20 years back. And uh, what I sensed four years back was that the platform has a lot more opportunity than to just be a communication tool or an advertising platform. So we expanded the scope of priceless to be a holistic marketing platform, which means Priceless is infused into every aspect of marketing, into the product, into the promotions, into platforms, and into our own employee programs internally, etc. That was a big success for us over the last four years, where we made significant advances on our brand strength and differentiation. Uh, we made advances on the business. It was resonating very, very well. So, we take every year a complete relook at everything that we do. 
And uh, we said, okay, how can we take it even further? What would be the next click for our priceless uh, approach? Uh, and what we felt was that there is something happening in the cultures around the world. And when you tap into those truths, uh, it, it's fascinating what we actually uncovered. So number one is that people around the world are expecting brands not to just throw advertisements at them, but they are really looking for brands to stand up for something that they believe in and do something about it, take some actions. Secondly, biases around the world of different, different types are so prevalent, almost unprecedented uh, in our recent history. So the bias can be based on race, the bias can be based on gender, the bias can be based on nationalities, all kinds of biases. So we said, okay, let's actually take a bold stance on this and do something about it. So the first thing that we started here with Grammy Awards is, uh, you know, we looked at the music industry because Grammys is music and we have... Uh, we are one of the big sponsors of Grammy Awards for the last uh, several years. So we said, how can we tie these concepts together? So we tried to explore what are the biases that are prevailing in the music industry. And one of the big things that we found is that while you are supposed to be judged in music based on your musical talent, the reality is that people are judged based on how they look or what their external appearances are like. And so some of the talented artists don't just make it because the whole system is so biased because either they are not looking the way they expect a prototype of the, or a stereotype of a musician looks like in their mind, etc. So, so we, for example, looked at a girl. She's an African-American, extraordinarily talented as a singer. And she was struggling. And throughout her childhood, as she was growing up, people were taunting her, saying that, you know, she is uh, not the prettiest looking person. Or, you know, in fact, in her own words, they were calling her camel lips and horse teeth. And she says that was self-confidence destroying for her. And somewhere she woke up and she said, enough is enough. I know how talented I am. I have to stand up for myself and I have to fight these odds and win. And she turned out to be, for this year, uh, at this year's Grammys, the most nominated female artist ever for Grammys. And her name is Caesar. So we hired her as our brand ambassador and we worked with her and she narrated her whole story and we thought it will really serve as an inspiration for people to fight off against the biases and do something and urging people to start something priceless in their own lives. It can be a small thing like setting aside your mobile phone at dinner and have quality time with your family that's truly priceless. It could be as small as that or adopt a pet from a shelter or make a difference in somebody's life or make a difference to the world. And uh, we said, we'll do this. And we are actually in the same process, uh, got six other emerging uh, artists who are all having a different uh, disadvantage and a bias that they had to fight against and how they are overcoming and overcome it. And so this is the campaign we launched and the kind of response we have got from all around, most importantly, from our own employees, from our clients, and from the consumers and the artists themselves was extremely heartwarming for us. It felt very meaningful, purposeful, and the metrics from a marketing perspective are fantastic. And from a business perspective, the sentiment is terrific. I think about bias, especially unconscious bias. It is present in all of us. It, it is a scientific fact that we all have it. Uh, but when we become aware of it, then we can actually do something about it. So I applaud your efforts and I thank you. Thank the world you. needs that.
So we are extending this to all our sponsorships across the year. And uh, for example, next month we are uh, sponsoring uh, Brit Awards in uh, London. We're going to leverage the same theme of overcoming bias and highlighting a bias and say, people, we have to get over these kind of biases. Uh, For UFR Champions League, we already produced this where we have uh, brought in 22 people for from different countries and languages. They don't speak other languages, they speak only their language. So these 22 strangers, we brought them together and we said you are divided into two teams of 11 each, whichever team, and you have to play soccer against each team, each other. And whoever wins, whichever team wins, they will get tickets to go to UFA Champions League finals in uh, Ukraine this year. And I'll just give one other quick example. In Paris, we erected billboards and we said, you know, uh, leveraging the technology of MasterCard, we said we will create these billboards where there are there's a visual of an empty classroom. You just go and tap with your MasterCard. Uh, one euro is debited from your account. MasterCard makes a matching contribution. And we feed a child uh, in Africa for one full week at the school. And what happens visually is one child comes and sits in a uh, school chair in the classroom. And uh, so that's one thing which we have started again, saying that, you know, don't worry about whether so-and-so is from Syria or which continent or which country. We are all human beings at the end of the day, and we have to support each other. Let's start something priceless. So this is what is, uh, you know, uh, taking a lot of my attention and excitement at this point in time. And uh, the initial results have been really heartwarming so far, Nadine. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm so I'm so grateful that you're doing that. So, Raja, I'm going to switch gears a little bit um, because we are going to be running out of time here soon, and I could talk to you all day. Let's let's talk about you. What inspires you? Who are some of your role models? Okay. So, firstly, it is the opportunity to leave a legacy behind. Right? I have been in the field of marketing now and marketing and business for 32 years, right? And I... Probably I'll work for five years, 10 years more. Uh, but at some time, I guess I'll hang my boots. Uh, but say, for example, if I'm there for the next 10 years and doing this, what I want to really see is leave a legacy behind. A legacy of extraordinary talent who do incredible things that not only work well for the company, but for consumers and for the communities. This is my single biggest aspiration and single biggest inspiration. So talent is what inspires me. Building talent is what inspires me, first and foremost. Second, uh, innovation uh, inspires me quite a lot. So I have got this natural learning curiosity. And if you put something in front of me, I need to figure out why it works, how it works, and uh, whether it is a blockchain, whether it's a cryptocurrency, or it is virtual reality, augmented reality, or uh, you talk about uh, you know uh, some latest gizmo which uh, does some supercomputing or quantum computing. I really love that. And for me, learning that and the possibilities that they bring either to the business or to my function is very exciting. That's what really keeps me going, saying that, hey, this new development is happening in such and such a field. How can we get, leverage it and implement it at scale in my business context. That to me is very exciting. It's like almost like a, you know, playing my own PlayStation. 
So all these uh, you know, uh, toys, some of them admittedly are shiny pennies uh, and they can be highly distracting. But that's where the prudence comes and not be distracted by every shiny penny, but to really understand the possibilities that some of these uh, concepts and technologies can bring and change and transform what we are doing. So that's the second thing I would say, which inspires me on a day-to-day basis. I get very, very excited about. And uh, the third one uh, for me is uh, I love the craft of marketing. And I do want to give back to the craft that has given me my livelihood uh, these 32 years. Even if I was managing a P&L, always marketing was at the center of it. Consumer was the focus always. And I feel very grateful to this craft. I feel passionate about it. And I really want to do something for this craft. And one of the things that I'm actually doing in that space is when I look at, for example, what is being taught uh, to the students in various uh, MBA schools and so on, the curriculum is very outdated. What has been written 50, 60 years back is still being taught today. Whereas a lot of things have so dramatically changed that some of those original concepts are no longer applicable in the way they used to manifest in the past. So I'm actually collaborating with a number of colleges, including Yale, uh, Harvard Business School, NYU, Columbia, and Singapore Management University, and so on, and trying to partner with those professors to modify the curriculum, provide content that I can share with them from my company and my experience so that they can use them as case studies. I'm going and teaching at these schools pretty regularly, like 19th of January, for example, I was teaching at the Harvard Business School. And it was so exciting and energizing to me personally, looking at the future generation of marketers coming out there to inspire them to join marketing. You know, in my days when I was a student, marketing was the most glamorous and exciting function to be in. But today, it doesn't have quite the same sheen. People, they say, okay, if I'm really a great student and I'm doing very well, I would either go to Silicon Valley or I would go to consulting or I would start my own company. People don't think of marketing as that same field as it was, as we used to think of my generation. So I want to really inspire people to tell them marketing is really a fantastic field and update their curriculum working with their professors and working with the AEF, ANA Educational Foundation. I've also offered saying that you know, we'll take a number of interns into, into MasterCard we'll have some of the professors come and shadow me for a week or two weeks so that they see how marketing operates in real world and understand so that they can teach the students better, they can inspire. And in my own capacity, I'm planning to sort of at least spend two to three days uh, every quarter, if not more, uh, going to these universities and uh, having interactions with the kids, with the students, and inspire them and encourage them and teach them what I could teach. So these are the big three things that are there in my head. Well, that's fantastic. And I remember now exactly why we put you and Karen Hannon together in that chapter called uh, Developing Talent, because you guys are phenomenal mentors. And again, thank you for your efforts there. The world needs that. Um, and I, I know it's going to make a huge difference. So I have one last question for you. And this is going to be a hard one, Raja. So I want you to put marketing, finance, general management, technology, all that down for a moment. If you could be anything in the world other than those things, a CMO or a GM, what would you be? I probably would be a teacher. I enjoy teaching. 
and I really get energized uh, when I see the uh, students interacting and questioning things with zero bias, zero baggage, with 100% curiosity and inquisitiveness. That really, you know, is very exciting to me. And so if I'm not doing any of these, I would be a teacher, uh, teaching at some university probably. And the second thing I would probably also do is to have pet shelters. I'm fanatic about dogs. I love them. I adore them. And uh, I can't bear to see uh, dogs or animals, for that matter, suffer. And uh, I would probably start uh, you know, pet shelters and run them around the world. Oh, that's wonderful. And I will volunteer to help you. I share that passion. Thank you. I'll take you up on that. Yes, please do. Please do. All my dogs are rescues. I absolutely uh, applaud anybody who can make a difference there as well uh, because they're, they need us. So I, I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. Excellent. Well, Raja, it has been a true pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so very much. Enjoyed myself. And uh, uh, I hope the audience will benefit something from this. And uh, looking forward to future conversations, Nadine. Thank you so much. And you, I must compliment you, the way you're putting all these things, to, these things together. Uh, whether it was the playbook earlier, which I have received nothing but huge compliments about how you have brought the whole playbook together. That was fantastic. Want to compliment you on that. And I'm sure this podcast series also will be very beneficial to many marketers. And I'm sure you'll get kudos on this as well. Wow. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nadia. Thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 